Welcome to the Big Blue Big Board Podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Chris Flum, and we are coming to you heading into week 14 of the NFL regular season. We are just after the college regular season, uh, so we have bowl games coming up, uh, a lot of as we talk about the draft, some senior bowl things are going to start coming out. So we're really starting to get into draft season. And as we look at the Giants right now and where they stand, they are currently 4-8. and eight. They sit 7th in the draft order currently, but that is absolutely up in the air because right now there are five teams at 4-8, and eight, including the Giants. There are another two teams right now, Green Bay and Cleveland, who are 4-7-1. and one. So there's a lot of movement that can be done between all of those teams from now till the end of the NFL regular season. The Giants now, though, only have a 14.2% chance of a top five pick uh, per Football Outsiders and a 0.1% chance of the top pick. Those were much higher just a week ago. Um, so as the Giants are starting to pick up these wins, that is you know, good for them, but also that draft position starting to drop down. So for today's positional preview, we're diving back into those again. We are going to look at cornerback, which is going to be possibly something the Giants need to look at in adding some pieces. They already got rid of Eli Apple. Um, We don't know what the status of Janoris Jenkins is. Uh, So this is a position in the secondary that is going to have to be looked at at some point in this offseason. So you ready to talk about some cornerbacks, Chris? Oh, absolutely. And I think we pretty much have to start with what do the Giants have now? Are they in a decent spot going forward or are they going to have to invest some serious resources in that? Right. It's probably is. We'll see where Janoris Jenkins fits in right now. He's the number one guy. You might think that he will be on the roster in 2019 because he was not one of the players traded right before the deadline. Uh, Eli Apple, who we already mentioned, was was traded. So he clearly was not seen as someone who was going to be an integral part of the roster going forward. But Jenkins still on the team. He has a $14.75 million cap hit next season per over the cap. The Giants could save about $7.75 million on the cap if they let him go. But like we talked about in previous episodes, you let a guy like that go, you now have to pay or invest draft capital to replace him. So it's certainly possible that Jenkins is part of the roster next year. And when we go down and look at what's behind him, I think that's when the Giants really start to get into the questions. Uh, B.W. Webb, who has... Uh, impressed at times, but... Yeah, I'm not sure if you can feel comfortable with him as one of your starting corners. Personally, I feel better about him as more of a three or four. Yeah, he's a guy that the Giants weren't really banking on being in this position as right now the number two corner. Uh, He kind of uh, partly worked his way up. He started as the slot corner, and then once Apple got traded, he's been more on the outside, so he has turned into the number two kind of out of necessity. He's not consistently overwhelmed, but yeah, he's not a guy where you're going to feel good 
with him being the number two. And also, he's only on a one-year deal at $790,000. Um, so it's not like the Giants made a big investment in him. And he's going to be 29. Uh, so we'll see how they feel about him, especially because they have some young guys who can be stepping up. We'll start with Grant Haley. We talk about Grant Haley a lot on this podcast. I am a big fan of Grant Haley. Um, he's, you know, a smaller guy. He's working in the slot more often now. Uh, he was promoted to the active roster after the Eli Apple trade. He's gotten a lot more time to play after Apple was traded and that slot corner position opened up after Webb was moved out to the outside. And he has played really well in the time he has gotten. Oh, definitely. I think I said about our last podcast, he has played way better than anyone would have any right to expect from an undrafted free agent, even one who probably should have been drafted if he was maybe an inch or two taller and a hundredth of a second faster on the 40. But he has played really well, and he looks like he could be a guy they can count on, maybe not to be a primary starter, but at least a major contributor going forward. Absolutely seems like someone the Giants like right now, and he's he's getting the playing time, so I would have a hard time not fitting him into the picture at next season as they try to figure out what this cornerback rotation is going to be. And then really the, the last guy they have and is someone who is easy to forget because he hasn't played this year is Sam Beal, who they took in the third round of the supplemental draft. Uh, so that means the Giants do not have a third round pick in the upcoming draft because it's it was used on Beal. So basically you can think of Sam Beal as this year's third round pick. And I think he is someone who is going to be good once the supplemental draft was starting to happen. And it looked like Beal could be a possibility for the Giants. I looked into him. I, he's someone I liked as a player, probably someone who has talent higher than what the third round a pick was uh, they got a discount I think because he was in the supplemental draft I think he probably would have gone higher than that if he were to have either come out in the draft last year or were to come out this year so he is a guy I think the Giants obviously like to have put in a bid on him in the supplemental draft uh, so he is absolutely going to be someone who also plays a role going forward yeah I agree I I think if he had played this year, he could have been in the second round in the 2019 draft, maybe even pushed for a maybe fringe first consideration. I think he's got really smooth hips, really quick feet. I saw one really impressive play from him watching him before the supplemental draft where he was in coverage and the receiver tried to use the referee as kind of a natural pick play and Beal just kind of danced around him and got right back in coverage it was really impressive I'm just a little bit worried about his uh thickness he he's a real lanky guy I'm not sure if he has the strength to deal with some of the bigger wide receivers in the NFL and with the shoulder injury I'm I'm not sure how far behind he might be in getting up to that NFL strength level. 
that's clearly something the Giants will probably work on with him. Uh, obviously, since he did have a shoulder injury, if he's trying to you know build some strength in the upper body, that is going to be a little harder to do in the time he was off. But he did have a he does have a full season to recover. Uh, but he's a guy who does have good length. He's six one, and he does have some ball skills. He played wide receiver his freshman year at Western Michigan, um, and then he went over to the defensive side of the ball and he showed off those ball skills. He had eight passes defense as a a sophomore in 2016. He had 10 in 2017 along with two interceptions. So he is a guy like we've talked about in previous episodes of what you're looking for in a modern defensive back is a guy who can play the ball because those turnovers are going to be how you stop modern offenses. So in that skill set, he has what the Giants should be looking for. Oh, definitely. And, you know, the Giants do have some things they look for. I know we've both gone back and looked, and they have a definite physical archetype for cornerbacks, both James Betcher in Arizona and just the Giants historically. Yeah, so they like guys. I don't think this is kind of how the corner has been going physically lately is they like guys who are taller. They they like those guys over six foot and they like guys on top of that with long arms. When you look at the corners that Dave Gettleman drafted in Carolina, that was James Bradbury. He was the 81st percentile in height. He had 96th percentile in arm length. The same thing went for Daryl Worley. And then you look at a guy like the Cardinals didn't draft a lot of corners while James Betcher was a defensive coordinator, and they kind of didn't always have a great second corner next to Patrick Peterson, but they drafted Brandon Williams in 2016. He was only 48th percentile in height, but he had 86th percentile in arm length. So they're going to look at guys who have those long arms who can make plays on the ball, and even if you're smaller, you can get those arms in there to, uh, to make a play on the ball. Those measurements are things we'll officially see uh, once we get to the senior bowl and the combine and those guys actually get measured um so we can fit these guys a little better into what these decision makers are going to be looking for uh but for now we can just kind of look at what we see on tape and some of the numbers and we can see how they mesh there oh definitely and there's also scheme fit to consider i few teams anymore just play a straight man scheme or a straight zone scheme yeah everybody kind of mixes and matches more and more teams are starting to run like uh a hybrid coverage scheme where if you happen to have a cornerback who is good at man coverage and a cornerback who is good at zone coverage you'll play zone coverage with the zone corner and man coverage with the man coverage and kind of use that to play to both players strengths while also giving the offense some different things to look at. However, we have seen that James Betcher does prefer man coverage and usually a tighter man coverage if when they have the opportunity to do so. Yeah, he's, as we've seen, especially as the defense, the Giants defense is right now, they are going to try to throw a lot of guys at the line of scrimmage in that front seven. So that usually leaves corners out on an island that has one safety back right now. So that is going to put a lot of responsibility there. So if you're looking at these corners, you're going to want some guys who are able to to handle that type of one-on-one responsibility. And if we jump into these guys, I think 
the number one guy on probably almost every list uh, is going to be Greedy Williams of LSU, and he is absolutely a guy who should be able to fit into that type of scheme. Oh, absolutely. I Watching him, he kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, DRC. He's got that real long, again, lanky but not skinny build. He can kind of play at the catch point. He can play around and through receivers without interfering with them. He's plenty athletic to play in tight man coverage. He can turn and run with receivers. He's got real real quick feet, smooth hips, so he can stay in his back pedal for as long as possible and then just get out and stay right in a receiver's hip pocket. He's probably the guy who is worthy of a top 10 pick. Yeah, and he's a guy that just you know, plays the coverage real well. He he does not let receivers get the best of him very often. And some of his numbers are are down when you look at if you look at some of the corners, you can if you are looking at tackle numbers, uh, do not worry about that. Greedy Williams only has 28 tackles, but that is good. That means uh, there the are not The ball going elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, either the ball is going elsewhere or the ball is not being completed. When corners have high tackle numbers, you kind of worry there because that means the ball is getting completed in front of them and they need to make a tackle. When they don't need to make a tackle, that is when they're doing their best job. Um, so he had two interceptions this year and nine pass breakups. And those are uh, you know a little down, but also because he's, he's not getting thrown at as often. Yet the games I watched, teams generally avoided whatever side of the field he was on because when he was in coverage it was tight coverage he did not leave much air for the ball to find a receiver and that is you know something you kind of have to watch for and you can look at once we uh, get a little further down the line and and we get some more advanced numbers here we can look at the amount of times these guys were targeted Uh, that also is you know a quality metric to see how often these guys were thrown at and that's something we'll dive into a little deeper once we get further down into the process Uh, i think if there's someone who could possibly be an outside chance as someone who overtakes Greedy Williams as as the number one corner on some people's boards? I think that might be Byron Murphy of Washington. Would that be fair to say, you know, this early? Uh, yeah, I think it would be. You know, depending on how the two of them test, that always plays a role. If you know Murphy surprises with his testing and say Williams disappoints, or depending on how the what team needs a cornerback when personally i think murphy might be best in a zone scheme just because he he's a little bit of an undersized guy but he is really quick has really good awareness and can he's pretty much always a threat to make a play if he's in coverage on somebody yeah and i feel like he's kind of a guy who doesn't even need to be in coverage to make a play. I mean, he's he's a smaller guy. He's much smaller than Greedy Williams, 5'11", but still listed at 182. Williams is 184. But Murphy is a guy who is just going to make a play wherever I think there needs to be a play made. Uh, so we had four interceptions and 13 pass breakups, uh, but he also had four run stuffs, and that includes four tackles for loss. Um, So he's a guy who, if the play is not coming towards him, 
he is someone who is able to charge up and force himself to make a play, which is something you like to see out of corners. Oh, definitely. And Washington has been producing quite a few uh, really talented defensive backs lately. Wrapped their safety figure. He was pretty high on our list when we looked at the safety position not too long ago. And Murphy's going to be high on a lot of boards. He might even wind up being like a, uh, almost like a Janoris Jenkins type at the next level. Yeah, guys, guys who can make plays on the ball are are they are going to be the premium, I think, as we as we go forward, looking at what matters for cornerbacks. So let's go over to one place. You talk about how Washington has been able to produce some some good defensive backs. Uh, I think Penn State is right there. Not always the place you think of for corners. Usually you think of uh, linebackers when you think of Penn State. But I mean, you got Grant Haley uh, on the Giants right now. And Amani Aruwarie is a guy who I think is a lot of NFL teams are going to like. Yeah, right now I actually have him number two on my watch list mostly because of how well he fits the giants physical archetype he's big long athletic flexible quick you know all of those things and personally i want to know what the hell is going on in penn state's strength and conditioning program because they're just churning out ridiculous athletes just by the bucket load had what three or four guys last year including saquon who just broke the combine amani he's gonna test really well and he's also a guy who's got that scheme versatility that modern defense is like he could he can play zone he could play man he can make plays on the ball so he's his is gonna be an interesting name to watch going forward i think yep listen it's six one two of three Three interceptions, 12 pass breakups last year, and a forced fumble. You know, two tackles for loss, which came in the run game. They were two run stuffs. Uh, so, yeah, he is a guy who is going to hold up well in coverage. He has that, that big frame. Um, at 203, he's you know the heaviest guy we'll, we'll talk about today. So he is a guy who, who is not going to be bullied very often by wide receivers and someone who at that frame can still run with them. So when you can put those two together, that's how you would try to build a cornerback. The one slightly weird thing about him is that he's played in 35 games, but I believe he only has one season of starting experience. So it took him a while. Yeah, you know, it took him until his redshirt senior year this past year to actually get on the field as a starter. So I think teams are going to want to investigate that. And if it was just a depth chart thing, that's one thing, but it is something to look into. Those are things that NFL teams are going to dig into as they get more information on these guys. So if we move along, I think one other guy who's is going to be considered a a playmaker, but maybe he's he's on the smaller side of these guys is going to be DeAndre Baker of Georgia. He's listed at 5'11", 185, but two tackles for loss. He had two interceptions, nine pass breakups, but I, I don't even think those numbers really show how well he played this year. Yeah, he is 
he was part he was a big reason why Georgia's defense has been so good not just this year but last year a really scheme versatile corner he can play man he can play zone he's got a really high football IQ and he recognizes patterns and route concepts really well watching a bit of tape of him this morning I believe it was the Rose Bowl last year Oklahoma ran a mesh concept he was in man coverage on Marquise Brown which is not an easy ask of anybody and he adapted to the mesh concept on the fly and got himself back in pretty good position all things considered especially considering mesh concept is a definite man coverage beater Uh, brown still made the play but that's just because he's ridiculous yeah he's just a guy when whenever you're watching georgia on a defense full of dudes worthy of standing out he is a guy that has consistently stood out this year but then if we move along, I think one guy who, who really stood out in a defense and is someone who has absolutely made plays all over the place and, and maybe to a more of an extent than really anyone we talked about is Bryce Hall of Virginia. So just going through his numbers, three and a half tackles for loss. He had two sacks. He's the only cornerback we'll talk about uh, today who had one sack this year uh, and he had two of them he had two interceptions 20 pass breakups and two forced fumbles so he's the guy who's just all over the field at pretty much every point yeah and he is cornerbacks tend to be competitive by nature but he's got some bulldog in him he will fight at the catch point with anybody uh He's another one that's a little bit bigger cornerbacks. I saw him listed at 6'1", about 200 pounds. He's got the athleticism, I think, to play in man coverage. Uh, I'm not quite sure about consistently in, in tight press man, but definitely man and off man. He can He can live there. And those pass breakup numbers are just, that says it all about him, really. Yeah, those 20 passes defense that led college football. He was at 20. The next guy was at 17. And below that was the couple guys at 16. You look at some of these other guys, like Byron Murphy's 13 was tied for 15th. So there, there was a big gap there. So he, he's a guy who is just able to play the ball all the time. And I'm just going to continue repeating it. Looking for guys who can play the ball and make plays on the ball. That is that is the skill that NFL teams are going to be looking for as they try to combat modern NFL offenses going forward. Yeah, you're, most defenses are not going to be able to just stop most offenses cold. They're basically going to have to stop them by either taking the ball away or breaking up passes at the last second. And that's something Hall excels at. Yep. Yeah, it is. So I think that that alone, I think, is going to boost someone like him. That's going to boost his stock. I think the, the last guy we'll break down here is Michael Jackson of Miami. Yep. Uh, I think we can already safely say Odell Beckham's favorite player in this draft. <laughs> Physically, he he's a lot like Hall. And he's also been something of a playmaker for Miami. But uh, personally, I'm 
not quite sure if he's got the quickness to be in man coverage all the time. He might be more of a Richard Sherman style cover three corner. There are defenses that are going to use that type of corner. So being in that type of scheme is is not going to necessarily hurt his stock. Uh, but yeah, he is a guy who can can make plays. He has three and a half tackles for loss. Sorry, I lied before when I said no one else we were talking about was going to have a sack. Jackson actually had two and a half sacks uh, this year, uh, but he he did not have an interception. He had five passes defensed. So um, as as we look at what he is, he's he's going to be a guy who has shown he can he can make plays in front of him I think when you when you look at what he can do in coverage maybe there's there's a few more questions there um because he wasn't as big of a playmaker when the ball was thrown at him but he was someone who was able to to make tackles and behind the line of scrimmage and and was effective on the blitz when he was sent yeah which is or which are positive traits for a bigger zone corner you have they're guys you want going down and driving on the football using their football IQ and maybe not necessarily preventing plays from being attempted, but going and busting them up as they're being completed. Yeah, absolutely. Those, I mean, and these are things that are all going to be taken account and put together and, and fit into a profile and you figure out how you can use these types of players I, mean, I think we'll get into bigger discussions of of drafting strategy and and players but i think teams should look at these players and figure out what they do well and how they can use that rather than how do these people fit into what we do i think the best coaches in the league will figure out what these players do well and how they can implement that um, instead of trying to potentially fit the square peg into round hole, which I think all, still a lot of coaches do. Uh, so we'll see that with all of these guys, especially at corner, when the coverage scheme is so much about whether it's it's man or zone or off or press and all of those different things. Uh, so we'll see how these guys are are going to fit and how coaches think they can translate into into what they want to do. So Hall is going to be the last guy we, we really dive into. One more guy I just want to briefly bring up who I think we'll take a deeper look into and I think should rise up some boards is Rocky Sin of Temple. Guy 6'2", 190, 12 pass breakups, two interceptions. Guy was always making a play on the outside for Temple. I mean, someone I was very much enjoyed watching while I watched Temple games this year. So I think he's someone who is going to be rising up some draft boards. Outside of that, we don't really have any college recommendations for you, but I would say go watch Army-Navy this week because that is the game. Yeah, the only game on. It does That game does have a lot of history and tradition. It's usually a pretty fun game to watch. Not much from the scouting perspective, but go ahead and watch it. Yeah, Great way f- to spend a Saturday. Yeah, just a fun college football game. 
So that will do it for us today. Uh, you can subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review if you have not. That helps us greatly. Um, please read our work at BigBlueView.com. You can follow BigBlueView on Twitter at BigBlueView. Follow BigBlueView on Instagram at Big underscore Blue underscore View. Follow me on Twitter at Dampazuda. Follow Chris on Twitter at Raptor MKII. We will be back on Monday, breaking down whatever happened when the Giants head down to Washington to face the mighty Mark Sanchez. Uh, so <laughs> thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you again soon. Hey, everybody. It's Neil Patel, editor-in-chief of The Verge. I host podcast every week called The Vergecast with my friends Paul Miller and Dieter Bone. We've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site, which is about technology, how it impacts culture, and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Vergecast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else. Also, you listen to podcasts, check it out.